Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for choosing Random Book Club Podcast. I'm your Captain Dan Van, and with me is the co-pilot, Donovan. Donovan, how are you doing? I am doing great. Is this a ship or an airplane? Well, the reason why... co-pilot. Well, the reason why is because this is such a big chapter, we're just going to have to fly right into it. Chapter 2, part (laughs) 2 of The Last Wish. Oh, man. Summary. These are getting worse. Yep. Summary. (laughs) He noticed the red tiles of the tower's conical roof from the summit of a hill as he cut across a bend in the faint trail. The slope covered with hazel, dry branches, and a thick carpet of yellow leaves wasn't safe to descend on horseback. The witcher retreated, carefully rode down the incline, and returned to the main path. He rode slowly, stopped the horse every now and again, hanging from the saddle, looked out for tracks. So we're back with Geralt and Roach, and they're going into the forest. They're going deep. Of course. And it's hilly. It's a hilly terrain. It's hard to get across. So he's kind of checking it out, and he's like, nah, we're not going down. I'm not riding down this thing. So now on the main trail, Roach starts tossing her head back, neighing wildly and stamping a cloud of dust and leaves that signal Geralt that something is up. He wraps one arm around Roach's neck, and he uses the other to perform the sign of Axia over her head. Geralt speaks soothingly to Roach, and the calming effects of the sign of Axia wash over the mare. G-Man prods the now reluctant Roach forward and recognizes that she will need to be led by foot now because of how nervous she is. He jumps down and leads her by the bridle until they see a wall. So here's something new. Uh, Roach is a girl. I was like thinking yeah, like... Sadly, sadly they, not sadly, but uh, I knew that um oh fireworks are going off okay that's lovely um i knew that that she was a girl but i always forget that i was gonna say sadly i always i always assume the horse is male right but yeah. like even zelda link's horse opona i yeah. believe is also female same thing but we, i always thought it was a guy growing up and then yeah when we were playing 64 games my older brother was like it's a girl horse yeah when i was reading it and they're like the mayor right. and she was getting nervous and stuff like that I was like from Shrek, you know, when Donkey's like, oh, she's a girl dragon. <laughs> All right. I'm not sure if Disney can get away with what they did there. Or was that Disney? That was DreamWorks, I think, which I, I don't are, think is Are Disney. they owned by Disney? They're uh, all probably owned by General Mills. Oh, for sure. They're all owned by the same company in the end. Uh, there was no gap between the wall and the forest. So we're going to learn about this wall that they come across. No distinct break. The young trees and juniper bushes twined their leaves with ivy and wild vines clinging to the stonework. Geralt looked up. At the same moment, he felt a prickle along his neck, as if an invisible, soft creature had latched onto his neck. Lifting the hairs there, he was being watched. So while they're looking at this wall, all of a sudden he's like, Mmm, something's up, dude. G-Man turns around smoothly. Roach is twitching her muscles and snorting as they see a girl standing atop the hill they had just descended a minute ago, or a minute to go. The girl seemed to be casually leaning her elbow on an alder tree, glossy black shoulder-length hair contrasting her trailing white dress. She seemed to be smiling, but Homie G was too far away to be sure. Geralt waves his hand in a friendly gesture and says greetings, taking a step forward. The girl turned her head slightly, following Geralt's movements. He took another step, and her subtle smile vanished as she started down the steep slope, swiftly flitting between from bush to bush until she reached the bottom and disappeared into the dense wood. So flitting is that is that going to be just like like instantly moving quickly? Like yeah, you can't like, be... whoosh, whoosh, like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. she may not be instantly moving, but it's like obvious that this is some. This is not just a normal girl, you know. Like this is a pro paintballer. Oh my god. Yeah, so, and also, it was, like, really creepy as you're reading it. You're like, there's this girl with black hair in a white dress, a long white dress, just kind of watching. Yeah. And, I just pictured the girl from the ring. Yeah, and she's smiling, or so he thinks. he's He really can't tell because she's so far away. But as soon as he starts to take a step closer, her smile vanishes, and then she starts running. Like, her head's tilted and, like, looking at him, and then she just runs down the slope. No problem. The very same slope that they had to carefully go down. And she's just jumping from bush to bush and then goes right into the woods. 
So Roach neighed anxiously. Geralt instinctively calmed her with the sign again, all the while keeping an eye close on the forest edge. Then he grabs Roach's bridle and leads her along the wall, wading through waist-high burdock. Burdock is that stuff that we were trying to think of the other episode, which is... Um, the Valkyrie stuff? Yeah, yeah, the, they're burrs. I forgot the name for that. Burrs, burrs, yeah. Eventually, the pair came to a sturdy gate with iron fittings and rusted hinges, fin- furnished with a great brass knocker. <laughs> what? There's a gate with a big brass knocker, and I and I have yeah. a I have a note here that says if Don says something, the forest has the best gate knockers, dude. <laughs> Great <laughs> knockers in the forest, dude. I just think of like every single terrible uh, Disney movie where they do the Disney symbol with the wand. Growing up as a kid, like every evil mansion had that big knocker yep. on the do- on the mansion door. So it's like we all know what that meant. After a moment, Geralt reaches out and barely touches the tarnished ring when he jumped back as the gate opened squeakily, raking aside clumps of grass, stone, and branches, revealing an empty courtyard, neglected and overrun with nettles. Geralt led Roach through the gateway, noting that the courtyard was surrounded on three sides with the wall, and the fourth side stood a mansion, looking run down with age. Throwing Roach's reins over a pillar near the gate, Geralt made his way on the gravel path toward the mansion and noticed a fountain that had an elaborate stone dolphin. And then this is from the book. Next to the fountain, in what a very long time ago used to be a flower bed, grew a rose bush. Nothing but the color of the flowers made this bush unique, but the flowers were exceptional. Indigo with a faint shade of purple on the tips of some of the petals. The witcher touched one, brought his face closer and inhaled, the flowers held typical scent of roses, only a little more intense. So these are those blue roses. There's blue a bush rose. in here with the blue roses. So the so the girl that was with the merchant that had died, that had the blue rose on her sh- shirt, comes from the blue rose on the rose bush in here. This is the place. So we assume, we don't know, could be another blue rose patch somewhere else on another dirty old mansion. All right, you're probably right. Yeah, Yeah. we'll go with it for now. Suddenly, the doors and all the shutters of the mansion flew open with a bang. Down the path, Geralt saw a monster charging at him, scrunching gravel in its wild advance. The Witcher deftly pulls his hilt belt across his chest while catching his sword in the movement, pulling his sword out, and with an intimidatingly efficient flourish, aiming the tip at the charging beast. Seeing the sword, the monster skitters to a stop, spraying gravel in all directions. The Witcher didn't even flinch. The creature was humanoid, wearing a tattered but good quality clothing. He was a human shape he was human shaped from the chest down. His head, however, was bear-like and gigantic, enormous ears, wild eyes, and a jaw of crooked fangs. The beast man begins begins to scream at the Witcher to flee, that he will devour him and tear him to pieces. The Witcher didn't move, didn't lower his sword. The creature screams a question asking if he's deaf and demanding him to be away. Then he lets out a roar that sounded somewhere between a pig squeal and a stag's bellow that was so loud it caused the shutters to rattle. Still, neither the Witcher nor the monster moved. Then we get a wonderful back and forth between Geralt and this monster that I'd like to read in its in its entirety because it was just so good so after this monster who's obviously a humanoid didn't scare Geralt and he's saying I'm gonna I'm gonna eat you I'm gonna tear you to pieces Geralt just standing there with his sword <laughs> finally he's like all right I have to say something you know the, this here's what the monster said from the book clear off while you still are in one piece roared the creature less sure of himself because if you don't then then what interrupted Geralt the monster suddenly gasped and tilted his monstrous head. Look at him. Isn't he brave? He spoke calmly, baring his fangs, glowering at Geralt with bloodshot eyes. Lower that iron, if you please. Perhaps you've not realized you're in my courtyard. Or maybe it's customary, wherever you come from, to threaten people with swords in their own courtyards. It is customary, Geralt agreed when faced with people who greet their guests with a roar and the cry that they're going to tear you to pieces. Box on it! The monster got himself worked up. 
and he'll insult me on top of it all, this straggler. A guest is he, pushes his way into the yard, ruins someone else's flowers, plays the lord and thinks that he'll be brought bread and salt. Bah! The creature spat, gasped and shut his jaws. The lower fangs protruded, making him look more like a boar. So? The witcher spoke after a moment, lowering his sword. Are we going to carry on standing like this? And what do you suggest? Lying down, snorted the monster. Put that iron away, I said. The witcher nimbly slipped the weapon into his scabbard, and without lowering his arm, stroked the hilt which rose above his shoulder. I'd prefer you, he said, not to make any sudden moves. This sword can always be drawn again, faster than you imagine. I noticed, rap rasped the monster. If it wasn't for that, you'd have been out of this gate a long time ago, with my boot print on your ass. What do you want here? How did you get here? I got lost, lied the witcher. You got lost, repeated the monster, twisting his jaw in a menacing grin. Well, unlose your way. Out of the gate, turn your left ear to the sun and keep walking and you'll soon get back to the highway. Well, what are you waiting for? Is there any water? Asked Geralt calmly. The horse is thirsty, and so am I, if it doesn't inconvenience you. The monster shifted from one foot to the other and scratched his ear. Listen, you, he said. Are you really not frightened of me? Should I be? The monster looked around, cleared his throat, and yanked up his baggy trousers. Trousers, Pox on it. What's the harm of a guest in the house? It's not every day I meet someone who doesn't run away or faint at the sight of me. All right, then. If you're a weary but honest wanderer, I invite you in. But if you're a brigand or a thief, then I warn you, this house does what I tell it to. Within these walls, I rule. He lifted his hairy paw. All the shutters clattered against the wall once more. And deep in the dolphin's stone gullet, something rumbled. I invite you in, he repeated. I loved that opening. Yeah. It was so good because it's like... Uh, this monster was like not getting through to Geralt that he's trying to scare him away. And he's like, all right, dude, what's your deal? And then Geralt's just like, I don't know. Like you got some water, dude. And he's, this monster <laughs> is totally thrown back. He's like, he's like what? yeah, he's like, he, you know knows what? he knows something's up. He saw him pull out his sword he's like, as quick as he did. So he knows you're really not afraid of me. And Geralt's like, nah, man. I, I mean, we're just thirsty, dude. We're just wanderers. We got lost. <laughs> He's like, you got lost in the middle of nowhere in my secret garden. You got lost. All right. Well, you know, if you're not afraid, yeah, come on in. And he invites him in, which is great. I just, I really liked that. It was so cool because we're used to Geralt just walking into a tavern, barely speaking anything and just murking three dudes. So this is a cool side that we get to see where he's actually confronted with, with what looks like a monster but then ends up getting invited into his house. <laughs> Geralt accepts the invitation under the truce of hospitality, and the monster announces that his house is Geralt's house in what seems like a traditional and formal way. The odd pair make their way into the old mansion, the monster stopping to say, light, to illuminate various rooms. Geralt comments that that's not bad, and the monster laughs at the fact that he isn't impressed and reminds Geralt that the house obeys him. So, like, he's basically walking through the house and going, lights, and then the lights come on. He's So he's using some magical powers right here, which is pretty cool. But Geralt's just like, yeah, this is normal. On their way up to the dining room, the monster asks if he could see the medallion on Geralt's neck, and the witcher offers it up without hesitation for the beast to have a look. He takes the medallion up in his paw and remarks that the wolf has an unpleasant look on its face. Geralt explains that it's the symbol of his guild. The monster doesn't seem to know the witchers at all. So I thought that was cool. Just like Geralt is like, I can't tell if he's playing dumb or if he's like, well, this isn't important information. Well, you mean the monster? I always feel like the narrator tells us the truth. So when it's ever like a narration, yeah. it's, it's ultimate truth or whatever. Well, it just seems like it, you know, I mean, the first thing is Geralt lies saying that he got lost. We know that he's been on the trail of this merchant and the merchant's daughter that died or whatever. And it led to this place. Geralt, when when he lies, isn't he the one that says that? 
right? Like, so if you can read, if you can go back to your paragraphs when he's like, we, I got lost, he says that. The yeah. narrator doesn't say, oh, Geralt tells him that he got lost. Yeah, so we know that he's lying in that moment. But my point is right, right here when the monster's like, what's that around your neck? Can I see it? And he's like, yeah, sure, go ahead and inspect it. It's the symbol of my guild. Like, isn't that like, see, I thought that was like the secret code. Like, you're not supposed to talk about it. But I, I guess not the, no. like, other people recognize witches and stuff. Whatever. I believe the sponsor thing doesn't know what it is. It's just like, oh, it's a yeah, weird At this point, it's like, cool. Look, looks like a scary it's, it's wolf. Yeah, especially if the first thing he says is, why does it look mean? And and then he also makes a a comment, something to the extent of, oh, your guild is probably someone who makes a bunch of saddles. Like, he says that. Like, yeah, that's what we do. Now in the dining room, the Witcher notices all the old portraits, weapons, and various hunting trophies on the wall. The centerpiece above the massive fireplace was the head of a rock dragon, in which the monstrous host shares that his grandfather had killed it, and that it may have been the last of its kind. Then he asks Geralt uh, if Geralt is hungry, and they sit at the table. This is from the book. The monster sat at the table, lowered his head, clasped his hairy paws over his stomach, muttered something while twiddling his enormous thumbs, then suddenly roared, thumping the table with his paw. Dishes and platters rattled like pewter and silver, uh, rattled like pewter and silver, chalices jingled like crystal. There was... A smell of roast meat, garlic, marjoram, and nutmeg. Geralt did not show any surprise. So then all of a sudden we get, <laughs> be our guest, be our guest. I, know, just I, know, I, I the That's what I was thinking too. The whole time I was reading this, I'm just like, all right, I kind of like this version of Beauty and the Beast yeah. better. Way so, better. It's awesome. So the crystals are going around, or like, you know, the china's coming does out. That make, does that make G-Man Bell? He could be. We'll see. It's a tale we'll as old as time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yep. They'll dance together. I, I know it. The monster points out all the food and assures the witcher that it's good to eat. And they begin chowing down. They introduce themselves and the monster says that his name is Nivellen, but that they call him Degen or Fanger around here, using him to frighten children. The two begin a quite normal feeling and open conversation, and we learn that Nivellen can conjure up all types of food and drink. Geralt asks if his magic powers are innate, and Nivellen says that he only got them when he was trapped in the spell that caused him to have his the head of a beast. The trap, as Nivellen calls it, happened 12 years ago, though he doesn't know how it happened. Through their conversation, they kind of test each other nonchalantly, you know, not revealing everything. You know, we were talking about Geralt being the smartest guy in the room. Well, this guy's also being kind of guarded, and they, right. they just kind of they just are saying things back and forth. It's a great section. It's really long, but um, it's cool to see how they go back and forth off of each other. Nivellen asks the Witcher if he can see his portrait, if the Witcher can see Nivellen's portrait on the wall, because... Um, He's just like, yeah, I used to be human. Can you see my portrait? And Geralt says that he can see it with detail. Then Nivellen says that the portrait is beyond the candlelight, which normal humans can't see. So he uh, gets Geralt to reveal that he is, in fact, a witcher, which turns out Nivellen does know about and remembers that they hunt and kill monsters for money. And then so like, he's like, yeah, so witchers kill for money, right, dog? And I'm a monster, right? Geralt doesn't deny it, and Nivellen even guesses that the Witcher, or guesses that the Witcher is there to kill him. But Geralt doesn't get riled up at the challenge as Nivellen talks through a theoretical fight, ending with the two of them attempting to bite each other's throat. Basically, being like, "Let's just say you pulled out your sword. I would charge you. You would charge me. You might get a couple slashes in, but my weight will overpower you. We'll end up on the floor, and we'll start biting each other in the neck. Who do you think's gonna win?" You know what I mean? It's kind of a cool, like, power move that uh, Nivellen's pulling here. So the tension in the room grows for a moment, but when neither man makes a move, they continue their conversation. Nivellen shares what rumors he's heard of the Witchers and asks if they are true. Geralt says that most of the rumors are false, especially that people say that there are fewer monsters. Nivellen agrees and backs it up by claiming that Geralt is sitting in... 
in front, in fact, of a monster right now. Now Geralt gets a turn to reveal a sneaky test. He tells his bareheaded friend that he's no monster, to which Novellan asks how he figures that. Geralt explains that if he was a monster, he wouldn't be able to touch the silver tray and that there would be no way he could handle his witcher's medallion. And this delighted Novellan. And he's like, oh, ho, ho, so you did know what I was doing when I asked you about your medallion, you know? The Witcher correctly deduces that Novellan probably knows the person who cast the spell on him and offers to attempt to lift the spell, but the offer is declined, which surprises Geralt. Then Novellan, now happily open to discussing, begins to tell the whole story of how he became the monster-headed man. Basically, the story, it's a long one, and it basically boils down to this. Uh, his father and grandfather were not very well liked in this remote region because they took people's fortunes. It's not said exactly how, but they seem to be some kind of gang or something where they would like, rob people. I don't know if they're highwaymen or if they would run jobs or whatever. Eventually, his father was killed and his grandfather was hit over the head with a morning star and had to stutter the rest of his life. After he dies, Novellan was the leader, but he was very young, so he didn't really boss uh, any of them around and just went along with them, getting beat up and teased all the while. One day, he went along with the other gang members to rob a temple out as far as Gelibol, near Mert. Geralt halts ne Novellan's story to ask him which temple. He's like, hey, wait, you said you robbed a temple? Which temple did you rob? And he's like, I don't know, it was near Mert. He doesn't remember, but continues the story anyway. The gang members capture a priestess and demand that Novellan become a man today. And while he's in the act of R-wording her, she casts a spell that makes him look like a monster and fueled the spell by killing herself. So that's going to be some powerful magic. Yeah, I'd say so. I don't know how, like, I don't know how else you're going to say that sentence, but yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, the next day, Novellan wakes up, now transformed, scares the gang away from the mansion, and his in his rage discovers he has power over the house. You know, being like pissed off and whatever. You know, the shutters are going, the doors are opening. He's like, what the heck is going on? And he kind of figures it, figures it out as he goes. He lives in solitude from then on, feeling guilt-ridden and tending his garden. A long time passed. Then, one day, a fat trespasser tried to steal a blue rose from Novellan's garden. He was going to kill the man pleading for his life when he remembered old stories that his nanny Lenka used to tell him about girls who turned frogs into princes. He thought that maybe there was a grain of truth in the old stories. A grain of truth, the name of the chapter. Okay, so we get a little bit of that. I love it when stories do that, when they put the name of the chapter in the stories. Yeah. He said, the, he said the title. He said the he said title. He said title. I remember that. So he made a deal with the trespasser for his daughter. The daughter was only eight years old. He gave the trespasser. Okay, so he's not getting any better, is he? No. Well, This yeah. guy's kind of a monster, isn't he? Yeah, but uh, he doesn't, do, he doesn't do anything to this eight-year-old. He actually tells Geralt like that. He's like, now don't laugh at me. And he's like, uh, and Geralt's like, I'm not laughing. And he's like. Now I'm now I'm in this shitty situation. He actually says in the book like that I'm pissed off about my shitty situation because I made this deal for a girl and I get an eight year old. What am I gonna do with that? You know. So it's like okay, so he doesn't go after this one, but he takes care of her. He gives the trespasser a bunch of money. Then he left. Two weeks later, another merchant with another daughter came by, and he's like, um, the merchant came with a fat bag ready for money because obviously the the first merchant like um heard about this so he, he says the merchant the second merchant comes with a fat bag of money and a girl who's just as fat <laughs> or just as big or something i thought that was funny the deal became that if a guest turned up with a daughter he would spend a year with the girl and give money to the father he would take care of the girls enjoy their company then give them back unharmed so after a year break from anyone because he did that for a little bit with those first few girls, but it was just like, you know, whatever. He felt weird about it, whatever. So he took a break. But after a year break from anyone, he found that he did desire the company. And the next girl he took, Fen uh, Fena, 
was small, bright, and chirpy, not afraid of Nivellen in the least, even though he looks hideous. One night, they drank too much and banged, and she was cool with it. They had a great time that year. Fena can't, coming up with fun ideas like scaring visitors with her naked on his back. And after that year, she returned to her family with a huge dowry. So it actually ended up working okay for him. He found someone that was cool with him, didn't mind that he was a beast. <laughs> but then at the end of the year, gave her back, gave the, the father a bunch of money, and then they go off and marry someone in the village. Geralt finds the story interesting and asks Nivellen to continue. He goes on to describe how even though he never turned back into a full human, he was beginning to come to terms with his life. Not only that, but quite enjoying himself with the girls and the good health, which he hadn't had or which hadn't been there in his human life. He explains in the book that as a human, he was fat, um, he was ugly, his teeth were rotten, uh, but now as this beast form, he was healthy, he was strong. He found himself to be kind of like strapping and he was getting girls. I mean, yeah, he was paying for it, but, you know, like he he was starting to enjoy it. Eventually yeah, it became like prostitution. Yeah. But this guy's uh, got three three checks already in my book, so I'm hoping yeah. he gets killed. Yeah. Well, eventually he became almost bored of it, deciding to take longer breaks in between girls. There comes a natural break in Novellan's story where Geralt asks if he's alone now. So like. So, yeah, so you get these girls and then you take breaks. Are you alone now? And Nivellen gets pissed and says that Geralt knows perfectly well that he's not alone, that he's seen him cocking his head from side to side, watching the doors and windows. He asks the Witcher if he has seen her, and he replies that he has by the gate. So we're talking about that girl that was at the top of the hill. Yeah. That girl is yeah. staying with Nivellen right now. And who knows if she's a girl. He correctly guesses that is why the merchant's daughter's um, haven't been arriving or haven't been leaving the area alive lately. Then Novellan gets kind of fed up with the questions and Geralt gets up and says that he probably should head out. Novellan agrees and says that he can't offer a room, but that he should go to the highway or get to the highway before nightfall because it gets dangerous around here. Then Geralt stops and asks Novellan if he's sure he doesn't want any help, either with his condition or the girl. Novellan says he understands because it was kind of like a nonchalant way of asking. He's like, dude, do you want some help? Like, are you in a bad situation? Um, and the guy's like, no, I'm fine. Like, I, I'm fine with the way I am. And Geralt's like, I wasn't necessarily just talking about your condition. And he's like, you know what? Even if I wanted you to help me, you couldn't do it. And it makes you feel like, oh, there is something more to this girl. Like, I mean, we know that she's kind of like supernatural in her abilities but maybe she is also really powerful too so Novellan says he understands but that he couldn't help even if he wanted to so he seemed trapped in a bad relationship before heading out Geralt shared uh, with Novellan that he ran into some bad luck he, Geralt saying hey man you ran into some bad luck because the temple he looted 12 years ago was actually the church of Coram Ater uh, Coram Artera the lion heads the lion headed spider and to lift the curse would require knowledge that he doesn't possess finally Geralt asks what Nivellen is afraid of asking and Nivellen explains that he's been having monstrous nightmares Geralt asks him some questions and determines that he is right to be afraid I think it has something um, it's something like the effect that this girl creature is having on him because he's like, hey, man, I'll be honest with you. I've been having these nightmares. Should I be afraid? And Geralt's like, Do you, have you woken up with mud on your feet? Have you woken up with, like, um, sprigs of parsley in your bed? Like, some, you know, basically, like, Dr. G-man's in the house, you know? And the guy's like, no, I haven't had any of that. But should I be afraid? And he's like, yes, you should be afraid. And, and then he's like, is there anything I can do about it? And he's like, no. Something's happening. So, um. I think, yeah, so he obviously needs some help, but he can't really say it outright. On the way out, we have a very nice scene with Geralt, Nivellen, and Roach. So this is from the book. In the courtyard, as Geralt was adjusting the saddlebags, Nivellen stroked the mare's nostrils and patted her neck. Roach, pleased with the caresses, lowered her head. Animals like me, boasted the monster, and I like them too. My cat, Glutton, ran away at the beginning, but she came back later. For a long time, she was the only living creature who kept me company in my misfortune. 
Verena, too. Verena's this chick. We learn that this this chick's name, the black-haired woman with the long, flowing dresses named Verena. He broke off with a grimace. Geralt smiled. Does she like cats, too? Birds. Novellan bared his teeth. I gave myself away. Pox on it. But what's the harm? She isn't another merchant's daughter, Geralt. Or another attempt to find a grain of truth in old folk tales. It's serious. We love each other. If you laugh, I'll sock you one. Geralt didn't laugh. You know, your Verena, he said, is probably a Rasulka. Mmm. Geralt's laying it down. Truth bomb. Truth yep. bombs. Because Geralt's like, just like slyly as they're leaving. Like, oh, does she like cats too? And he goes, no, she likes birds. Oh, shit. I told you that she likes birds, so now you're going to know she's a Rasulka. He's like, ah, whatever, I gave myself away. It doesn't matter. And he claims that he loves this girl. So Novellan suspected as much that she might be a Rasulka, then confides in Geralt that he suspects that if he were to turn back into a human, that Verena would leave him, then bids Geralt a farewell. So that's why he doesn't want to turn back. That's why he didn't care if Geralt knew how to reverse the spell, because he actually loves this chick for some reason. As Geralt and Roach head out without trouble, Novellan calls out to the Witcher one last time, explaining that he knows uh, why he was here and that he had followed the tracks of the merchant and his daughter and continues to explain that they were there three days ago. He commanded the house to close all the shutters and look vacant. The girl picked a blue rose and pinned it to her dress, and then they left. He asks, he asks Geralt if anything happened to them. Geralt confirms that something did happen. Geralt uh, says he will, he will remember Novellan and offers to come back if he finds knowledge on a cure. But Novellan flatly refuses, stating that this is his life, his punishment, and if things get worse, he'll deal with that too. And if things get a lot worse, that Geralt should come back and finish him as a witcher. Then he says, take care, one last time, turns around, and heads back into the house without looking back. And that is chapter two, part two. So I like that. I like that ending. Oh, yeah. You know, I know you don't really like this character, um, but I actually ended up really liking Novellan because... Novellan, Novellan's just... I, I get it. I get it. But at the same time, like, re-listening to the story definitely doesn't make it any better. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of subtlety that is missed from me just recounting it in a, yeah. in a constrained place. Like, what... It is a very I didn't long feel chapter. that I didn't feel that bad towards reading it the first time. Yeah. Um it's it's a very long part of this chapter and it and it gives you kind of like a sense that this guy has been living alone for a long time. He ended up figuring out that he could, you know, get women to stay with him in this kind of beauty and the beast kind of style and he would treat them well. And he like he even says in there somewhere that he he doesn't even do anything with them if they don't want. So they get scared the first couple weeks, maybe even months, but eventually he keeps feeding them. He keeps on giving them good clothing. He said some of them come to him wearing nothing but like rags, and then he gives them new clothes, um, hot baths, um, food whenever they want. All they have to do is carry a fan. They don't have to do anything. He just commands the house to do everything for them. And then when they go, they become rich. And um, he gets into a little bit more... um, or he doesn't get into it when he talks about his girlfriend, his current girlfriend. And basically it seems you get the idea that he's in this like abusive relationship where like, <laughs> you know, like the, 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 uh, the yeah. abusive relationship cycle where, you know, this person loves them, but they treat them badly. They want to get out of it, but they can't, you know, it's like a, it's like, it just seems like, and, and if we look back on, um, what we've seen so far, we have been able to guess that this girl probably killed the merchant and the and the um, the daughter. Yeah, he didn't do it. It looked like he would have because he's a monster. He greeted us at the at the gates, basically ready to charge and kill, but he didn't. And then when at the very end, as Geralt's leaving, he's like, "Hey, did anything happen to those people?" And Geralt's like, "Yeah, they they're dead." And he's like, "I kind of figured. My girlfriend's kind of crazy, you know, like." Uh, you should get to the highway before nightfall did. So I just, you know, you at the end of it, you almost feel bad for him. Yeah, he did some really bad stuff in the past. He was, um, you know, 
He was a little rich boy that his his dad and his grandfather were mob bosses of this gang or whatever, and they did bad things, and he did get cursed for it. But now, later in life, he seems like kind of likable. So points of discussion. Let's get into some of this. Great descriptive writing. So um, Andre Sapkowski, the writer of this, I love his little descriptions of things. So here's the one that I wanted to point out. And I, I entitled it, Geralt Pulled His Sword from His Sheath. There's a scene when G-Man first enters uh, enters this uh, walled-off courtyard, uh, the seemingly vacant walled-off courtyard, when he is rushed by what he at first thinks is a monster. A lot of fantasy books that I've read just say that the hero pulls his sword from his sheath and goes to battle. But Andre gives us a tasty description of this act, and it goes as follows. So listen to how he describes just how the Witcher pulls out his sword. The door and all the shutters of the mansion flew open at the same time with a bang. Geralt raised his head abruptly down the path, scrunching the gravel. A monster was rushing straight at him. The Witcher's right hand rose, and fast as lightning, above his right shoulder, while his left jerked the belt across his chest, making the sword hilt jump into his palm. The blade leaped, leaping from the scabbard with a hiss, traced a short, luminous semicircle, and froze, the point aiming at the charging beast. That is a way cooler unsheathing than just, he pulled it out and they did battle, you know? Yeah. The fact that he's like pulling They ran, they ran at each other. Yeah. With great speed. I just thought You're it was like, cool right. that he used his left hand to jerk the belt across his chest so that the sword would jump into his hand, you know? It was just like, yeah, that makes sense. Like, that's what you would do if you wore a sword on your back, you know? For 100 years. How old was it? Didn't somebody post saying he was like 100 years old? 120 or something like that? Yep, yep. We did have a comment saying that he is very old. And I think, I don't know if I bring that up. Let's see. I've, I've got my comments here. I'm just going to check real quick. Old man bones. Nope. nope, but I don't have that comment <laughs> pulled up right now. But I have three other comments that we're going to go over. Uh, but, yeah, he's he's an old man, and he's pr- uh, probably just like, I'm too old for this shit at this point, you know, when we're talking about the um, – He's done it. What I'm saying yeah. is he's done it a lot, a lot, a he's lot. He's practiced. He just jerks that belt and it just flies out. It catches it. It's like pulling a golf bag. Or a golf club out of your bag. <laughs> you know, you just throw it up and catch it. Yep. You just throw it in the air, let it you know, spin around nine times, and then catch it. No problem. Yep. Um, then we get some Witcher lore, dude. Witcher lore. While having dinner at uh, with Nivellen, it's revealed that Geralt is a Witcher. And Nivellen explains what he knows of the guild, which gives us, as the reader, more insight into this secretive group. So this is from the book, and this is what Nivellen is saying. I've heard about witchers. They abduct tiny children whom they feed magic herbs. The ones who survive become witchers themselves, sorcerers with inhuman powers. They're taught to kill, and all human feelings and reactions are trained out of them. They're turned into monsters in order to kill monsters. I've heard it said it's high time someone start hunting witchers, as there are fewer and fewer monsters and more and more witchers. And I was like, oh, dude, here we go, getting some lore on this. Uh, I thought that was cool because it confirms everything that we've talked about, but we haven't really seen yet, you know? Right. I like that. That um... Poisoning young children. All right, I guess they're both terrible people. <laughs> they're turned into monsters in order to kill monsters. I thought that was cool. Yeah. All right, places of note. It's pull out the map. Let's pull it out. Oh, wrong one. Here's the map. Okay temple as far as Gillable near Mert. So um, when Nivellen is telling his story to Geralt, he says that the temple he robbed where the priestess cast a spell on him was near Mert. What we know so far from the story is that the on the body of the dead man that Geralt finds, he had a bank note from the Dwarves Bank in Murraville, which is northwest of the Mahaka Mountains. So let's zoom in on this map. You're not going to see this, but I'm doing it right now for the people at home. I never get to see it. <laughs> I never get to see it. I never get to see the map. So Murraville is right down here. Let me get a little thing here. Boom. Murraville is right over here. 
northwest of the Mahakam Mountains. And that's where, when we first meet the dead bodies, the dude has a banknote. And now that I'm thinking of it, you know, the whole story has been that this guy uh, takes care of these women and then gives a bunch of money. Maybe that banknote is a debt from the bank. You know what I mean? And so there's merchants there to be like, hey, man, can I get some money for my daughter? <laughs> anyway, so yeah. the, the temple yeah, yeah. that's near Mert, um, if we let's zoom in a little bit more, enhance. And north of of uh, Mur Murraville, we have the Kestrel Mountains. And um, here is Mert, and here's Gelable. And so here's Mert. So somewhere around here was a temple. And we're going to put, we're going to mark it as a green thing. That's hard to see. Mark it as an other green thing. Okay, so somewhere around there is this temple. So that means that, so, you know, what I'm trying to figure out is where the heck this manor is. You know, that the fact that they ended up traveling all the way up there after his father died to uh, rob this temple. So they go from somewhere around Murrayville, maybe somewhere in here, where it's a hilly region, where there's a lot of forest, and then they end up going all the way up to Mert. So they kind of travel. This gang kind of travels. So that, that's one location. Next location is called Nazaire, located south of the Amel mountain range adjacent to the Great Sea. This place is mentioned as the location from which his grandfather uh, bought the blue rose bush seeds. So in their conversation, they talk about a lot of stuff. And one of the interesting little insights was that that blue rose bush actually came from a place that his grandfather was at called Nazaire. And so where is Nazaire? Let's zoom out. And here is um, uh, the Amel mountain range. And here is the Nazaire region. So somewhere in here in this region is where uh, grandpa got those, those seeds. Uh, let's get there. There we are. Okay, so this is that. And then we got Azengard. Azengard, which is located right here, which is directly uh, east of Nazaire, which is south of the Amel mountain range, um, is remarked at, by Navellan as the place where his father had gotten a tin bath for his mother. And so that's lo also located in this region of Nazaire. So... My guess is that Grandpa and Dad started down here because this is a far way away if we now zoom out from where they're currently located. So they had to go all the way up here, travel around to get back to where this current story is taking place. So I'm guessing that Grandpa and Father had quite the, the reputation down south in the Amel Mountain Range area. That's where they got the blue rose seeds. That's where they got uh, the tin bath. And then probably got into some big trouble with the law and had to run away and then start their little um, gang operation in this remote region. So that's that's what we got hmm. for the map this week. Um, close that out. Boom. We don't need to save that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All those dots that you put on, yeah, gone. yeah. No. I was using a really no high tech, a really high tech no Photoshop thing called uh, same, Microsoft Paint. Same quality Paint. ESPN has. <laughs> yes. Uh, people of note, we got Roach the Mayor. The beginning of the chapter starts out with Roach and Geralt heading deeper into the forest ravine, and we learn through the description of Roach's actions that she is in fact a female. Oh, she's a girl, bad horse, badass horse. Okay, girl on the hill. A girl was standing on the slope of the hill he had just climbed down, one arm resting on the trunk of an alder tree. Her trailing white dress contrasted with the glossy blackness of her disheveled hair falling onto her shoulders. Creepy. She seemed to be smiling, but she was too far away, or he was too far away to be sure. This pale-faced girl had enormous black eyes and seemed to be supernatural in nature as she runs down the slope and flits back and forth between bushes before disappearing into the woods. So I'm thinking, like, who is, like, what is this thing? You know, creepy. Geralt, Geralt and um, Navellan end up kind of deciding that they probably think it's a Rasalka, but to me, it seemed like a like a fae type creature with the big black eyes and like it just kind of reminded me of that movie Princess Mononoke. I don't know if you've ever seen that, but there's I have. A, there's a scene. That's where, one of my favorites. Yeah, she's like running down. 
uh, in an attack and jumping from rooftop to rooftop and stuff like that is really badass. So it kind of reminded me of that. Okay. We got Novellan. the wolves. Yes. Love that movie. Yep, yep. We got Novellan, known locally as Dagon or Fangor, to scare the children. He is a gracious host, and his magical abilities to control his mansion and conjure various necessities like food, drink, clothes, clean linen, hot water, and soap. We got Lenka, Novellan's nanny, who told him plucky stories of girls turning frogs into princes. We got uh, Fena, the first girl who Novellan gets with where it was mutual. <laughs> and then we also have his, his girlfriend. Um, Flora and Fauna, we had a couple things just real quickly just to make the world a little bit bigger what's in it we discover that it's more of the same real world stuff so we got hazel covered slope we got on the wall it had young trees and juniper bushes twined in it we got an alder tree and the and that's the um alder tree that's the one where the black haired girl in the white dress was leaning on it um we got waist-high burdock along the wall. We got rose bush of indigo flowers. The seeds of this rose bush can be purchased in Nazaire. So if you're living in the Witcher world and you want to get yourself some blue rose bushes, head on over to Nazaire. And then in the dining room, we see, uh, as far as fauna, uh, various hunting trophies of wild boar, bear, lynx, elk and stag antlers, and eagles and hawks. So um, the world is basically, it's got our stuff. And then we got some monsters. Moving on to magic and spells. We got the sign of Axia performed with a sweeping gesture using the right hand with fingers arranged in the proper sign. This magic was used to calm down Roach when she became startled at the wall in the forest. The sign seems like it has to be continually held for its effect to be maintained. Have you heard of Axia? Uh, yeah, because of video games. Yeah. And is that what it does? It calms people yeah. down? Yeah. It's mind control. Oh, okay. Jedi mind control. And it has to be held because, like, he originally cast it on her, and then when he saw the girl, he, like, forgot about it, and then he had to cast it again. So is it, like, a... Are you sure it has to be held? Does it say that? I, I, it... Or does it just not have a long-lasting effect? It might not have a long-lasting effect, but in the beginning, I thought it said that he was holding it over her as they moved forward, like continually. Isn't that the one? Isn't that the one that he did on the guards? Mm, maybe, maybe it was. Mm, yeah, probably. But we didn't. But it wasn't given a name at that point. Yeah, that's a good point. He had just done that's his hand point. signals, you know. Yeah, who's Watua? And then they were like, "Oh crap, we gotta take you to the Castellia." Yeah, we'll go. Yeah. Um, now we got the priestesses, the priestesses spell. The villain describes how he had turned into a monster and we gain a little insight on how some spells might be cast. He didn't remember what temple he had, he and the gang had robbed, but he does remember that there were skulls and bones on the altar and a green fire was burning with, which stunk really bad. So potentially it's some dark magic rituals or bad magic temple. So it's not like, you know, when Geralt's like, hey, which temple did you go to? I was thinking it was like uh, Melitola's temple, you know, with Nedica. Yeah. And um, no, this is definitely not Melitola's temple, dude. They got skulls and bones <laughs> on the altar. <laughs> we don't know. So we, then, what, Do we know what her temple looks like? We don't know. You're absolutely right. <laughs> <laughs> we could be dealing with a uh, little Melitola wrath here. Um, then he said that when the priestess was being taken by him, she had said this. So this is Novellan talking in the story about what um, the woman had said. That I was a monster in human skin, that I'd be a monster in monster's skin. Something about love and blood, I can't remember. She must have had a dagger, have had a dagger, a little one, hidden in her hair. She killed herself then. So the love and blood part sounds really sinister. And it's like, um, it's almost like it's a cap to the magic spell. Something akin to a wizard's death curse, maybe. Like, so, um, I don't know if, have you ever read the Dresden Files about the wizard in Chicago? Mm -hmm. So in that book, nope. they t he's a wizard in Chicago and he gets into some shit and he talks about how a wizard's most powerful spell is their death curse. And that happens when they're about to die. They're basically allowed to give a curse upon their death and power it with their death. And it is like the most potent magic. 
So the fact that she was casting this spell and then kills herself kind of tells me that it was like a sacrificial spell that required her to die in order for it to be powered, which probably makes it super powerful. And I thought that was really cool. Because it's like, it's not like magic that we've seen so far. So now we're seeing new magic. Like we've got sign language magic, you know, Witcher magic. Where he just does signs Time with his fingers. Man. That's true. Technically, yeah, yeah. yeah and then we've got yeah. you know traditional magic with the knowing ones, those charlatans with stars on their hats. Yeah. We've got um, conjuration and little magic spells, Beauty and the Beast style, with Novellan. And now we've got this like blood rite ritual, freaking stinky fires magic and it's like it's cool it, it's cool that there's stinky a lot of different fire types. magic <laughs> stinky fire magic that's the type of magic got that stinky using. fire magic man man that's some yeah dank fire magic uh moving on to the bestiary rock dragon this is in reference to the rock dragon's head that Geralt sees upon entering Navellan's dining room who says that his grandfather uh Novellan, who says that his grandfather had killed it and it was probably the last of his kind I looked this creature up on Witcher Wikia or Wiki, and I found an error. It says in the description, uh, on the description page of this rock dragon on the Witcher Wiki, once upon a time, Geralt noticed a wall full of hunting trophies in Novellan's dining room. The most impressive among them is the mounted head of a rock dragon, which was apparently killed by Novellan's grandfather. According to the Witcher, it might have been the last of his kind. And it wasn't the Witcher, but Novellan who had revealed this info. In the wiki's comment section, a user by the name of Freya Muse says that they had just read that part and it makes the same description um, that we just did, that it was, uh, or that Novellan is the one that makes that distinction, not the Witcher. So um, that account is three years old and it hasn't been changed yet. So I might just have to make an account and fix that for them. (laughs) <laughs> I'm doing my part I'm doing my part no one knows alright Rasalka Geralt and Novellan suspect Verena is probably a Rasalka even though her behavior of not eating human food and disappearing into the forest for days on end isn't necessarily Rasalka behavior and that does it for all the things I want to cover next I want to bring up some comments so we had some comments from before that I wanted to cover that I thought were pretty cool so this first one was uh, one from uh, Muriel, Muriel, which um, this person had written in and put in a bunch of discrepancies between the book and the translation and that kind of thing. And I, mm-hmm. this is one that I was looking for last episode but couldn't find because it was on actually our first video of this book. And this is what they write. I read the English translation right after its release in 2008-2007. And I remember that I hated it like the plague. I'm surprised you like it so much. When I read it, it seems terribly poor. Uh, The translator, author Danusha Stoke, left out many word games, many uh, anachronisms, many specific expressions. You read this last week. Oh, I I did? I read this one? You did. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we got that. Good. I just want to make sure we got that. (laughs) Okay. Another call out for that. Okay, next we got on on the last episode, chapter two, part one, we got Igor writing in. He goes, I love this story so much. I remember reading it at night and being so scared of what Geralt would encounter. (laughs) Looking forward to knowing what your opinions are about it. P.S. I know it matters not, but the map that you used in the beginning is a tiny bit outdated. The author of the map updated it with corrections some time ago. Look up Ortelius's Witcher Map 2.0 on DeviantArt. And I did, and that's the map that we use today. Thank you very much, Igor, for pointing that out. I was able to get the updated map, and I did notice some changes. And if you guys want a copy of the map, um, I put it in the link in the description below the video so you can download it too and follow along with us. So thank you, Igor. Then on that same video, uh, we got another note from Muriel. And we learn about Dandelion on this one. Dandelion. So I thought thought you would be interested in that. Okay. All right. Yeah. Dandelion name is Jaskier. Jaskier. J-A-S-K-I-E-R in Polish original. Jaskier is a Polish word for buttercup. And okay. I think, I think what, how they would pronounce it in Polish would be like Yaskir, something like that. You know, the J's are Y's and 
they got to roll their R's. You know what I mean? Polish people. <laughs> so, uh, Jaskier is not really a character name, rather a pen name. Jaskier's real name is Julian. Pen names are usually chosen because of their meanings rather than the sound. Uh, word for buttercup in Polish has some sources or has the same sources as the word vivid jaskari. You can gather kind of an impression that Dandelion is trying to achieve with his particular pen name. So in English translation, I like Dandelion better because it's kind of like, it kind of sounds like Dandelion, which suits him perfectly. And I thought that is a cool way to think of it. I remember being a kid and my name is Dan and I saw Dandelions and I was like, Dandy lion and just thinking of like a lion being dandy like this this is a, a ferocious creature but they're like happy and stuff and so <laughs> I, I don't know who dandelion is yet but just knowing that the um the term dandy lion suits him perfectly i'm looking forward to meeting him yeah that's the, good to know though the uh priestesses here's some more information the priestesses are not the same as sorceresses uh, way they use magic is different, and way they are made up is different. In the books, Melitola's Temple, where priestesses learn to heal, is way different than Thaned Isle, where they teach sorceresses. Healers use real medicine and herbs rather than magic. If they do any miracles, they believe that the source of magic power is in their goddess. Mages draw their power directly from the elements and use them without consulting higher forces. Also, way they are portrayed in Thanet Isle and Tizia DeVries in the Witcher flicks is something you should throw out of your mind. Uh, she says Witcher flicks instead of the like Netflix Witcher. Uh, you know? uh, uh, do you want me to spoil that? Because I know what she's talking about. Uh, she might spoil it and then you can elaborate. Also, okay. they uh, okay. So the magic system and school of magic from the show and books is also very different. In English, you probably have an aphorism claiming that faith works miracles. This is often emphasized. Uh, this is often emphasized. Quote from Nenica is particularly in its complement. Something like there are many cases of deep faith making miracles that I know of, but never have I heard the lack of faith has any power at all. Oh, this is from what the conversation. Right, right, right. And yes, Nenica is using this line to tease the Witcher a little bit um, for his lack of faith. So spoil this, spoil this Netflix thing. Okay. So in the Netflix series, they take all these super powerful women that are going spoiler alert, by the way, Uh, if you guys haven't seen the Netflix, then you might want to, Skip might want to watch it. Yeah, watch it and then maybe skip forward if you don't want to hear the spoiler. So anyway, uh, they take all the sorceresses and the ones that aren't powerful enough, they have the headmistress just turn them into an eel, and an then they eel? kind of put them in this like a yep, creature. And then, yeah, like an eel. Okay. Like uh, you know, like in uh, like a Little Mermaid. Little Mermaid. Hey. Little Mermaid. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, uh, and then they have they become an eel in this like pool and that pool of electricity between all the eels runs this like magic on this island that they're all oh. able to dip into. That's cool. Right. So yeah. So they disappear all these females all the time. <laughs> We're just going to disappear you. So they're saying is in the books that's, they don't do that at all. And I kind of knew, I kind of figured that because Netflix kind of gets to do whatever they want. So that people that read the book, the fi- 15 people that have read the books will watch the episodes too. Yeah, I I don't mind that you spoiled that because um, that's an interesting way to handle it, and I'm glad that that's not how they're going to handle it in the books, you know? Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. It's cool that there's more to it here. Uh, And Muriel finishes by saying, I'm really in envy that you are getting to know Nenica for the first time. About short stories not being very canon, I've written that Sapkowski is saying that in, in joking manner. Short stories get inconsistent with saga lore wise here or there but stories in them characters and events will be crucial to plot of the saga i mentioned that in saga main interest characters switch a little from Geralt to someone else and that someone else is introduced firstly in the short stories so you very much want to read sort of destiny before blood of elves so they're basically saying you do want to read the short stories because it shows yeah yeah you guys nice. go so deep into every aspect of the books, it's making it very interesting to listen. Keep going. So I thought that was cool. We do go so deep into every aspect of the books. 
And that's because I haven't seen anyone else do that. And I enjoy doing that. So, yeah. <laughs> um, it's a hobby. It's a hobby, though. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Don, thanks for joining me again. No problem. I know Pleasure. I kind of uh, capitalized on that one and kind of talked a lot, but it was a very right. conversation-heavy chapter. Not a lot actually happening. But Not was, yet. But it was a pretty cool chapter. So um, the next episode, we're probably going to go over several of the parts because they're much shorter than this one and probably actually finish off chapter two and then we'll be moving on to the next one. So with that, thank you guys uh, for listening to Random Book Club Podcast. Be good to each other and we'll check you next time. Adios.